Welcome back. I'm Miriam Lake. I'm Sherry Purdy. And you are listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. And we have a guest speaker, Dr. Ravi Vimuri, who's going to talk about the hot topic these days that's going around is the COVID-19 virus. So, Dr. Vimuri, if you just want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we can go ahead and get started with some questions. Okay. I'm an infectious disease doctor and also the medical director of infection prevention and healthcare epidemiology here at Mercy One Des Moines. I've been uh, in Des Moines for about uh, going on 28 years. So coronavirus isn't new. Um, How is the COVID-19 different from other strains of the previous coronavirus that we're used to? So there are literally thousands of coronaviruses out there. A lot of mammalian species harbor these viruses. And there are four common coronaviruses that are detected by our rapid uh, nasopharyngeal swabs that many urgent cares and family practice doctors do when you present with respiratory tract infection symptoms. The four strains of coronavirus detected by those swabs are relatively benign. They are uh, a cause of the common cold. Since around the year 2000, the world has come to know of more serious coronaviruses. And the first one we came to know about was given the name SARS. And as people may recall, in the early 2000s, it spread rapidly from China and went to Hong Kong and Singapore. And in in this country, we had very few cases, but our neighbors to the north, Toronto, had about 70 or so cases. So that is the first dangerous coronavirus we came to know about. Then uh, in about 2010 or so, uh, we started seeing a severe respiratory distress syndrome in the Middle East. And that was also a coronavirus, and that was given the name MERS, M-E-R-S, Middle East Respiratory Distress Syndrome. Fast forward to late 2019, early 2020, started seeing a lot of cases of uh, terrible respiratory tract infection and pneumonia. About a month ago, the World Health Organization decided to call it Coronavirus Disease 19 or COVID-19. So that's the name of the actual disease that the virus causes. The virus itself is called SARS-CoV-2. So um, it also causes severe acute respiratory distress syndrome in some people. And and since we already had one from 2000, this was given the name SARS-CoV-2. So that's the official name of the virus. And the official name of the disease is COVID-19. And now we're seeing um, community spread in the the West Coast and the East Coast of the United States. Unfortunately, we haven't seen any community spread here in Iowa yet. The World Health Organization declared this to be a pandemic, meaning that in multiple countries now, uh, community spread is happening. And and that's why uh, all kinds of aggressive measures are being taken, travel restrictions, and uh, states of emergencies have been declared in many states, including here in Iowa. Now, this COVID-19, unlike SARS and MERS, 
unfortunately, does not appear to be as deadly as those two, but it still is much worse than simple coronaviruses that we know of that cause the common cold. In uh, especially people that are over the age of 60 or people that may have chronic underlying medical conditions, it can be quite aggressive and cause a severe pneumonia. In the U.S., we may have had close to 35 deaths. Most of them have been in the state of Washington, where unfortunately it made its way into a nursing home, and uh, a lot of the compromised elderly people have been severely affected. So what about um, children? Have there been many children that have been diagnosed with this? And Most of our experience, of course, is uh, what we're learning from China. And according to the Chinese uh, reports, children seem to be relatively spared, especially those below the age of 15. Nobody quite knows why. One theory is that uh, children pass a lot of the non-severe coronaviruses amongst each other, and so they frequently get infected with colds, and perhaps they have some degree of partial immunity. It's not really known, but uh, children who are otherwise healthy uh, apparently have not been that uh, severely impacted by this. What about, um, why is it with the elderly? Is it just because the, the pneumonia gets so bad? Yeah. So uh, the, the data from China and Singapore and some of these other places suggest that especially people over the age of 80, the mortality rate or the case fatality rate goes up to almost 14 to 15 percent, which is almost approaching SARS level. For the, for, for the population as a whole, when you take all age groups into account, the mortality rate uh, in China, which has the most mortality, is uh, close to 2%. But the problem with trying to figure out what the exact mortality rate is, we don't have a good idea, especially in this country, in the U.S., uh, how many people are actually infected. Because in order to know how many people have died and to figure out a rate, you need to know how many are infected. And we haven't done that many tests. So we really have to ramp up our testing to know how many people are infected out there because uh, there may be uh, a whole bunch of people infected and, and they don't have uh, very severe symptoms and they may be relatively asymptomatic. And, and hopefully, as we ramp up testing, uh, we'll get a better picture of uh, how severe this is. But definitely, getting back to your question, you know, why elderly people, people with comorbid conditions, uh, they, they tend to be frail in many ways, including uh, perhaps a frailer immune system, not able to respond as robustly. Uh, they don't have very much reserve. And, and then when they get hit with this, uh, it, it hits them pretty hard. So, doctor, so someone could be infected or have the COVID-19 and may not know it. What are some of the symptoms that you recommend to our podcast listeners to if they have these symptoms or if they've done traveling these places? What would you recommend as far as getting checked? So one thing, one important thing to remember is that no local transmission has been documented yet in Iowa. Now, uh, most of us that deal with this think that it's only a matter of time when we start to see local transmission. So when the public health officials declare that they fear that we are now seeing local transmission, that is when 
podcast listeners and the public in general needs to pay close attention to your symptoms. Typically, the COVID-19, uh, just like any other respiratory tract virus, uh, may cause some fever. It may be low-grade initially, and then as it evolves, the fevers get pretty high, sometimes to 103. Then uh, there's the issue of uh, cough. It often starts out as a dry cough. It tends to be a persistent cough. Then you really start to worry when you start feeling short of breath. That means your your lungs are affected and you get something called interstitial pneumonia. And then if you get worsening shortness of breath, um, th- that means that you should uh, call your doctor and uh, figure out where to be seen and how to be seen. So those are typically the symptoms. But unfortunately... Uh, a lot of those symptoms are also the symptoms of many other viral infections. So it's kind of hard to sort out. But if we're starting to see uh, evidence of sustained community transmission, then the testing would ramp up. And then anyone who presented with symptoms uh, that are similar to those, even without any travel history or any exposure history, we would be testing them. And, and in that way, we would know uh, rapidly um, you know, what percentage of the population is being affected. What about wearing masks? If we, if we don't have too much community transmission, like we have in Iowa, no community transmission so far, people that are well uh, should not be wearing masks. What is more important in keeping you healthy if you're well is doing a lot of good hand hygiene and uh, frequently washing your hands, either with soap and water or alcohol-based gel. And then also, uh, especially uh, when cases are accelerating, avoiding congregating in large groups. So, Doctor, now we are starting to see major events being canceled. What's your take with that? Yeah, the the take with that is um, people... want to try to get on top of transmission. So, for example, if you have a basketball game and there's 20,000 screaming fans, and if, you know, five or six of them uh, just happen to have low symptoms or asymptomatic COVID-19, and and they're uh, uh, hollering and uh, shouting and screaming and spraying their saliva all over the place, but, well, before you know it, you know, each one of those people infects 10 other people. And then uh, four to 14 days later, uh, those 10 people infect uh, 2.7 more people. And then you get like a geometric progression. So the rationale behind uh, canceling NBA seasons, canceling large gatherings, a lot of companies have put out a policy of uh, working from home, not having a lot of people together. A lot of companies are uh, limiting meetings to a maximum of 20 people. So if you have more than 20 people in a meeting, you shouldn't be conducting it. You should have uh, remote meetings or telemeetings or whatever. So uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, restricting gatherings of large people is precisely to prevent droplet spread of this. This tends to spread by droplets. So like as I'm talking to you now on this phone, uh, it's human nature sometimes to spray a little. I mean, I mean that just happens, and and it doesn't take too many droplets spread uh, before somebody nearby 
could, uh, you know, uh, almost like an invisible droplet falls on their finger and then they, their eye itches, so they go rub their eye and that's how it's transmitted. So in, in this uh, um, uh, age of the uh, impending uh, pandemic or impending community spread in Iowa, uh, one thing people can remember is when they're out and about, in addition to doing good hand hygiene, if they're touching services or touching other people, avoid touching your it's called avoiding men, M-E-N. Avoid touching your mouth, your eyes, and your nose. Uh, without, uh, you should do good hand hygiene before you touch uh, those three structures because that's uh, precisely how it's transmitted uh, most easily. Uh, uh, so, you know, somebody sneezes uh, and doesn't do proper sneeze etiquette, they sneeze into their hand, and then they go touch a doorknob, and then less than two minutes later, you come around, you touch that doorknob, and then you take that same hand and rub your eye because it itches Why you've just transmitted whatever that virus was. So, doctor, you know, when this originally started, you had, you know, Facebook and Instagram, there's a lot of people... Uh, going out there saying, oh, the flu is worse than this. Don't worry about the, you know, COVID-19. How would you speak to the some of our listeners out there that still believe, you know, this is no big deal? Um, and and you had talked about, you know, the easy, the easiness of the transmission. Why is it such a big deal that we we really do take heed to to these warnings? Yeah, it, it, it's a big deal because, first of all, as, a, as, as the earlier name of the virus implies, uh, the first name for it was novel coronavirus, meaning it's a new virus. Uh, you know, people that do this for a living, study these viruses, had never seen precisely this type of the the genetic make, makeup of this virus. And when they studied it a little bit more, they realized that it may be a combination of two different viruses, one from a bat and one from some other animal, maybe snake or this other mammal. But whatever the origin it is novel, it's new, so the human immune system has not seen it. Now, uh, a lot of people uh, probably get uh, uh, just a minor infection and may not have symptoms, but a lot of people also get really severe infection. And if we're to uh, believe the Chinese data, uh, the, the case fatality rate works out to about 2%. And if you compare that to seasonal influenza, the case fatality rate is 0.1%. That's a huge difference, you know, a thousand-fold difference in the case fatality rate. So uh, there may be uh, healthy young people who, in whom it might just be a cold. But certainly anyone over the age of 60 and anyone with any underlying medical conditions uh, could be at high risk for complications. And we've seen plenty of instances where even young, healthy people have had severe infections and young, healthy people have died of this infection. So for those who think it's just a cold or it's no worse than the flu, we should remember that the flu is pretty bad too. And, and this is worse than the flu in that regard. What about with the, you know, the spring break um, season is coming up and a lot of College kids will be traveling, and I know going to cruises are probably kind of a big stay away from right now, and of course to Europe. What about just in the United States in general, traveling either by car or by plane? Uh, you know, uh, authorities, uh, public health officials are put out the warning call that we need to be careful when we have large mass gatherings. The um, 
a director of the National Institutes of uh, Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's on the president's uh, COVID-19 task force. He's probably one of the leading authorities on viral infections in the world, and he's been at his job for a very long time, and he's very good at it. And he uh, stated in a recent interview with somebody that, uh, you know, we as Americans cannot expect to live life, quote unquote, normally. I mean, this is an abnormal situation. So we have to expect that, you know, we might need to change our behavior. So uh, going on spring break should give uh, someone pause. Being uh, parts of uh, masses of people is probably not a good thing at this point. And then, uh, you know, people should check the State Department uh, website looking for travel advisories because things could change uh, two, three times a day based on what's happening in different countries. So uh, I would be very leery, I think, of... uh, going to uh, mass events. Uh, For example, there's a huge festival in Austin, Texas called South by Southwest, which has been canceled. That's a huge event. There there are all kinds of events in Houston uh, that happen right around now that have been canceled. Uh, uh, Google, Microsoft, major meetings where thousands of people attend, they've canceled them. A lot of companies have uh, forbidden their people to travel. Um, a lot of companies uh, frown upon their people going abroad because uh, they're afraid that they might bring something back. So, you know, people are paying attention. People are uh, adjusting their travel plans. Uh, There's a certain calculation you have to make uh, when you're planning on travel. Number one, you should check to see that uh, travel advisories have not been uh, given by the State Department. And uh, even if there is no travel advisory, you should uh, uh, um, ask yourself, you know, if I go on this trip, will I have so much anxiety uh, that I may not enjoy the trip? So if the anxiety outweighs the enjoyment, then maybe you shouldn't go on the trip. What about restaurants and hotels? I mean, just going to the local restaurant, what are your feelings about things like that? So right now, you know, with no, with the Iowa uh, Department of Public Health, uh, uh, not giving us any indications that we're seeing local community-based spread, I think it's good to be vigilant. Obviously, uh, try to practice what's called social distancing. Um, You know, don't get too close to people. Uh, Typically, they say uh, one meter, the WHO says. Uh, Some people say six feet. So anywhere from three to six feet apart. If somebody's obviously coughing and sneezing and not using good cough and sneeze etiquette, which would mean either coughing into tissues and then doing good hand hygiene afterwards or coughing into the crux of the elbow so you're not blowing your secretions across the room, uh, then you you probably, I probably wouldn't want to be in that place if that type of behavior is going on. But uh, if you do go out, uh, just uh, be vigilant and do a lot of good hand hygiene is what I would say. So if we go out for dinner with another couple, we'll just all sit at different tables and (laughs) holler across the restaurant at each other. (laughs) First of all, uh, let's say four people go out and one person's feeling kind of under the weather. Well, that person probably shouldn't go out 
because they might be incubating not, not just COVID-19, but influenza or a hundred other different viruses that you wouldn't want to get from them. So, yeah, uh, if you're ill, uh, you know, stay at home, hunker down, and, and stay there until you get better. Same thing with uh, going to school, going to work. Uh, uh, the same type of advice would apply. That's just good common sense that we need to use. Definitely. How long, um, so you, you had talked about people just need to expect a new normal. So how long should people expect to do this new normal as far as being cautious of all? Of, I mean, yes, we should always wash our hands and be aware of that. But as far as, you know, all those big events. That's, a, that's an excellent question. And I don't think anyone knows the answer to that. We have to see how this plays out. For example, SARS eventually uh, faded and went away, but there were very aggressive containment and control efforts, and it was much more deadly so that when people got it, you know, a, a large percentage of them died. Whereas with this one, it's actually uh, more possible that we could have prolonged sustained uh, transmission because there may be a lot of asymptomatic people or people with very little symptoms perpetuating or keeping it going in the community. Do you understand what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. if you have a large percentage of people that don't have too many symptoms and they don't come to medical attention and they don't isolate themselves, unwittingly they would be uh, keeping it going out in the community and then a certain percentage of people that do get it will get severe symptoms and they'll have problems. So in that way, uh, we could be in this for a long time. Um, it's just too early to know uh, which direction this is going. Only time will tell. A lot of people who study this type of thing say that, um, you know, until we get a vaccine, uh, we might be dealing with um, this virus. And, and, and the most people that uh, know anything about vaccines say, you know, minimum a year, we'd be lucky if we have a vaccine by one year, possibly a little bit longer than a year. What about with the warmer temperatures? Is that going to make any sort of difference either way as far as the virus goes? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's too early to tell. In general, uh, as temperatures get warmer, people tend to spend more time outdoors, so they're not crowded together in, indoors. But uh, again, it, it's hard to know. So I, I, I wouldn't predict either way. Uh, we, we, it just needs to play out a bit more to really understand it. We should realize that we've only known about things since roughly January 1st, so, you know, less than three months, two and a half months. And um, so it's too early, I think. So if uh, is there anything, I guess, you know, for our listeners, is there anything that you want to speak about, make sure that they know that we haven't talked about today, doctor? Yeah, I, I think listeners uh, would be well advised to follow along uh, on the Iowa Department of Public Health's website for COVID-19, uh, the CDC's website for COVID-19, and also the WHO website. All of these are reliable sources. They provide good information. Um, they, they can track the infection there. They can see, uh, you know, what's happening in their community and they can get guidance uh, as the situation changes. And then uh, the important thing to do also do is, uh, you know, we shouldn't panic. We should uh, be vigilant and we should prepare. 
but we shouldn't overreact also. Well, Dr. Vermuri, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and giving us a lot of great information on this. Well, well, thank you. It's time to wrap up here, but we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Please do your diligence. We all have to do our diligence and listen to Dr. Vermuri and what he said as far as, you know, brushing our hands and, and being aware of large you know, public groups and just just making sure that we're doing our best to stop this virus and do whatever we can because it not only affects people's health, it's it affects our businesses and, and everything, our livelihoods around this. So let's all do our diligence and do the best we can to try to have this new normal for a little while and um we will definitely be okay. Just don't panic over this stuff. So wanted to wrap up, say thank you for listening to us today. You can always um, email us at podcast at mercyhealth.com or you can go to mercyone.org slash podcast to listen to any of our podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback. So please let us know what your thoughts are, your concerns. This is Sherry Purdy. I just want to say goodbye. This is Miriam Lake and thank you for listening. And always live your best life.